Internet. I'm John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, I'll be reviewing all three of the Hotel Transylvania movies, having not seen a single one up to this week, as well as the, um, Die Hard meets Towering Inferno movie that came right the hell out of nowhere, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Skyscraper, plus an extra special treat that I discovered over the course of the weekend on Netflix and chat. So... Let's get started. The food here is to die for. Must have been garlic in the guacamole. Isn't that deadly for you? Was that you? Oh no, Blavi's gonna puke. This is one of those franchises that completely slipped me by. I referenced the first one in my uh, favorite movies of 2012 back when I did video reviews, mainly in reference to the fact that I loved Paranorman, but there were three sort of universal monster movie-inspired animated movies that came out that year. And of the three, Paranorman's still the best, Frankenweenie's a close second, and then uh, Hotel Transylvania is... is is way back in third. I just don't dig this movie. I think it's wholly derivative, and the only thing that sets it apart is Gendy's, Gendy's animation. Uh, apparently, his name is Gendy Tartakovsky, not Gendy. Uh, I've heard it. I've heard it so many ways. <laughs> Nobody has any idea how to pronounce names any <laughs> anymore. Um, so yeah, Tartakovsky's animation style is the only thing that really set it apart. Otherwise. It's a mediocre movie from the... It's better than most of the Happy Madison crowd uh, has made in a while, but ultimately it's not one of Tartakovsky's best either. I think he did way better with Samurai Jack and the Clone Wars um, 2D animated series and even Dexter's Lab, um, the, the, the two seasons he made before he left. Um, that, that he's genuinely a good... Uh, director and I think and a good animator but I think that one it felt so derivative of every sitcom-y plot element that 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 I've seen and that I've seen done before the whole liar revealed the whole um the whole pretendy somebody something that he's not in order to deceive everybody so nobody nobody um nobody acts uh and nobody panics. It's it just didn't do anything for me. Like the best thing it had was decent character design and solid animation. But everything else, I never wanted. I I was perfectly fine skipping that movie. I didn't miss out on anything. Here's where I differ, though. A lot of people say Hotel Transylvania Two is worse. My argument is it's actually better. The thing is, I actually enjoyed Hotel Transylvania 2 a hell of a lot more. Mainly because even though that one is also trying to, um, has a lot of those same cliched elements. And I think I just have to deal with the fact that as somebody who consumes a lot of media, I'm going to notice these. But every, every iteration of that is somebody's first time seeing that story being told. So I think I have to just deal with that and ignore that part and focus on the other stuff around it because there's that's there's no way around that ultimately um 
So yeah, in that case, I actually think, enjoy Total Transylvania 2 a lot more because it deal like it wants to try it it dabbles in uh the idea of a mixed relationship, the idea that they use monsters as sort of a um a sort of stand-in for certain uh race, interracial couples and it doesn't go that's not the theme of the movie, but there are elements that you see uh, from those types of stories in this in in Hotel Transylvania two that I thought was way more interesting than what they did in Hotel Transylvania, uh, not to mention the fact that I loved the the sort of buddy uh, dynamic between Dracula and the old monster crew. I think they work great off of each other, and the energy is just more there. It's more dynamic. It's more. Um, it's it's just more out there. It's more manic. I and I'm fine with that because it it led to a lot of solid jokes. It's a lot of solid humor. The bit leading up to the vampire camp uh, and and what that led into, I laughed out loud at. I genuinely laughed. I was genuinely there laughing my ass off because I I lo- I loved what they did with it. it the great that's where Tarkovsky shines as an animator and as a cartoonist. Because that's the kind of energy he can bring to comedy. That's where he's great. And so I think two was actually an improvement over one. Because two two embraced the cartooniness of it all. And it, it still had some problems. It's a, the, the, the whole series has had the, a lot of the generic animated property problems. Like ending the whole thing in a dance number. And, um, you know... And be and relying a lot on pop culture references and yeah it's not great but I like two I I like two because they it had that manic energy and it had that and it had that vim and you know it had that it had such a this 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 hyperness about it and I guess some people weren't into that I, I maybe they're maybe you're just too old man but I, I I liked that way more than one where it was so subdued as to put you to sleep almost um I think finally giving into the manic nature worked way better and it's also more in line with what you see and what you saw from uh cloudy with a chance of meatballs the kind of that kind of manic energy is what is what Sony Animation sort of became like a, a, a coherent style for them at that point in time. Um, as for the new one, I liked it more than two, but not as much. I liked it more than one, not as much as two. Two is still my favorite. This time around, um, we've we've covered a lot of stuff. One dealt with Dracula. Um, easing up and giving and allowing his daughter to live her own life two was about him easing up on pushing pushing being a monster above just being a happy family and the way you know old way you know the old ways versus the new ways sort of things this time around it's about um dracula fine re you know sort of restarting his love life after after so many years of his wife being gone and not sure about how he wants to do it, as well as introducing an iconic Dracula villain, Van Abraham Van Helsing, played here by Jim Gaffigan. And um, they did kind of give away 
uh, who the love interest is. But yeah, I mean that goes about as well. That goes about how you'd expect it to go. I dig. I mean, her design screams of his Popeye imagine. Yeah, you know, his Popeye test, and it makes me wish. Uh, I kind of just wish they would let him do that. Did we need the emoji movie? I mean, did it make? I mean, apparently it made them enough money to overcome what I mean, think but maybe people more people would have gone to see Popeye I don't know these are the kind of decisions I'm not entrusted to make um but I think she worked well uh, played by Catherine Hahn uh from who I know from Bad Moms uh she's the sort of party uh mom the one that kind of goes goes nuts more often the Susan and the whose mom was Susan Sarandon in the sequel uh Catherine Hahn Kind of, almost, almost reminded me of Kristen Wiig at points, and uh, she worked fine as uh, the love interest. Uh, Gaffigan had a lot of fun as Van Helsing, and uh, yeah, I think this overall, I think it, it continues a lot of the manic energy from two that I enjoy that I enjoyed so much. But it ultimately didn't. I mean, it, once again, it's it's we're going on a cruise, so there's a lot of that sort of. Uh, those tropes going on, and it's, eh, like, you've seen this stuff before, but at the same time, I dig the design work. The, they bring in the city of Atlantis uh, as basically monster Las Vegas, I dig that. Um, and the dance-off, uh, the dance, the big dance number is it's not at the very end, it's actually part of the climax, which, honestly, I kind of preferred I, I dug that more because then it was integrated as part of the story and not uh, of not just sh- not just ham-fistedly shoved in at the end. I, I don't know if it was Shrek that did it first, but God, whoever whoever's responsible for that that trope in animated movies, thanks for nothing, you hack. Ugh. So yeah, I, I I mean it's not better. It's it would be just as bad. I mean it, it's not it's not better than a, than your generic dance number in an animated movie but at least it was incorporated into the story more and it didn't feel so out of place and just forced i mean it is kind of but i i preferred it this way to what we usually get from animated movies so little improvements here and there but ultimately not as enjoyable as two for me two was two was where i had the most fun uh one is one is pretty bleh Blah blah blah, as it were. But yeah, the other uh, two is my favorite currently, and I like three, but three is not as good as two. Uh, it's not. I don't. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't as cold on it as I was towards one, but I didn't enjoy it as much as two. Two is two is the high point for me, and uh, eh, we'll see. I, I kind of want them to leave it here as a trilogy. I don't want them to continue any further. Unless they want to try something new in the franchise. I tried watching the... Uh, apparently Disney Channel did an uh, animated series. Prequel series where Mavis is in charge while Dracula's away. And then there's a Dracula sister that we've never seen or hear from in the inti- in the movie series. And a Frankenstein's son? Or what, what, the, what the hell's going on there? There's a blob child. Uh, which I was introduced to the first blob child in the in the third movie i don't know where the heck this blob like i don't know where the where the stuff is coming from for this whole thing um they keep the wolf pups which is fine but um yeah there's a blob girl 
There's the son of Frankenstein and Eunice. Uh, it uh from the from the movies. There's a mummy who has no relation to Murray, but is there. And then Dracula's older sister, who is never who never shows up again. It's I don't get it. Like I get the idea of maybe focusing on Mavis. But making it a prequel series with characters that are never seen or heard from again after after the series. Like, if they included characters that were in the movies. Yeah, that makes sense. You're spinning off from a movie. I think having a Hotel Transylvania series would be fine if it was more in line with the movies. I have no idea what the, what, what how they came up with any of this. And why should I watch it if, if all the characters in this are just made, are just made up? As, like, almost fan fiction. Like, why should I care? So, yeah, I'm not into that. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, other people, maybe this is works for other people. Maybe this works for, I mean, once again, it's a kid's series. So, maybe it works for that demographic. But, I don't know. Between, also not, not to mention the fact that um, uh, it's Nelvana, I believe. Yeah, Nelvana, who... Uh, you may you may remember uh, from the '90s. Uh, although apparently they were tied into the Fairly Odd Parents for a bit. Um, but yeah, Nelvana, I remember mainly from the '90s, and you can definitely tell uh, the drop in animation quality uh, between the movie and the series. It does not look. It looks pretty. It looks pretty bad. Um, it looks pretty cheap, all things considered. And yeah, I don't, I, I can't recommend anybody watch the, the series. It really doesn't hold up for me. Um, I like, I mean, I like it less than even the, uh, even, okay. So yeah, they did, they did some good stuff. Eat the cat, Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Apparently they did a free Willy series co-production on magic school bus the never-ending story series ace venture a pet detective this series um the donkey kong country animated series uh, apparently they had their hands with roly polioli as well um the heck is this mythic warriors guardians of the legend something about greek myth never heard of it um Took part in Oh Yeah, Car- dis- uh, distributed Oh Yeah cartoons, dubbed uh, Carcaptor Sakura. Uh, apparently, helped produce the Redwall series. Um, what what's some of their more recent stuff? Oh, oh boy! Apparently, they had their hand in Beyblades. So I mean, like, like the first thing that you may remember them from is they helped co they co produced Inspector Gadget with Deke. Nelvana worked a lot with Deke back in the day. So Care Bears, uh, the Star Wars series, Droids and Ewoks, My Pet Monster, Clifford the Big Red Dog, The Bar, The Beetlejuice uh, series, Tintin, Bible's American Tales for as long as that lasted. Um, uh, apparently they started co-producing anime. They distributed Fairly Odd Parents in Canada. That's how they're uh, related. Braceface. Um, Max and Ruby, they still make the Berenstain Bears for a season, I guess. I don't know what that's up. Uh, they still work on Cyber Chase. They helped produce Clone High. Um, 16. 
uh, that whole that weirdo series that uh, aired on te- aired on Teletoon. Uh, they did a bunch of stuff. They're 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 Canadian they're Canadian uh, animated animation studio, so they did a bunch of stuff for Teletoon, Grossology, Handy Manny, uh, Horrid Henry, My Friend Rabbit. That's a weird name. Uh, Hot Wheels Battle Force Five. <laughs> uh, more Babar. Apparently, they're the go-to studio for Babar. Um, Life with Boys. Uh, Scaredy Squirrel. Bubble Guppies, uh, they help produce. Uh, so, I mean, they're not the worst, but they are kind of generic, all things considered. Hotel Transylvania. Okay, they do uh, help work on Bravest Warriors uh, for Frederator. But Wish Fart for Teletoon, uh, for any Canadian listeners out there. The Day My Butt Went Psycho. Oh, no, it's an alien invasion. Franklin and Friends. Oh, they did a Franklin series uh, from 2011, a CGI version, so not the classic one. Although they may have had their hand in the classic one, I don't know. Beyblade. George Shrinks, they helped produce. Uh... Not seeing Frank. Oh, they did produce Franklin. So yeah, no, I I guess I'm giving them a hard time, but they ultimately aren't the best um, animated studio out there. Uh, they're not the worst, but at the same, you know, like I I think their better days are behind them. I haven't. I mean, may, they're better with younger kids. I think because I heard good things about Bubble Guppies and a bunch of. The uh, kids' shows that they've done, the the younger kids' shows like the uh, the uh, like preschool air, air, age, Nick Junior, uh, uh, Disney. What is it? What is the Disney uh, version? Uh, Disney. Okay, it's also Disney Junior, Playhouse Disney. That that age group seems to be their their bread and butter mainly. I but the the stuff for anyone older. <laughs> Apparently, they did something with the Tops Company uh, for something called Mysticons. Uh, which is still going on, and then Wish Fart, which premiered last year and is still going on. Uh, wait a minute, who's who's making? Okay, I, I thought I saw somebody I recognized, but nah. Um, I don't actually recognize anybody in the series, so it must be strictly Canadian. Uh, yeah, I have no idea how, how, if that's any good, but um, so yeah. Uh, Nelvana isn't the best, uh, and the, and I think Hotel Transylvania, the series, is kind of the, the kind of the showcase for why they're they're not they, you know they the studio themselves may not be the best, although that may be the, a, a case by case basis because they help help produce um, Bravest Warriors with Pendleton Ward for um, Frederator, and that and that one's a, a perfectly good series. Um, and they produced a lot of great stuff back in the day too. Both they they seem to do fine in both uh, 2D and CG. Uh, I guess it's just that particular series then. Uh, and a lot of stuff is not jumping out to me. I think it's just because a bunch of it never gets past the border from Canada to the U.S. Or maybe I'm just too old. I could have sworn the Bernstein Bears show lasted more than a year. I, I could have sworn that lasted more than a year. Was there another series that I'm thinking of? Maybe the one that lasted longer? There's some back in the set. There's a couple of television specials. 
Um, and there was two years in the 80s. Huh. Apparently they tra- they translated the uh, the 2003 series uh, from Nelvana into Lakota and started airing it uh, in the in the Dakotas. Interesting. Um, so yeah, apparently yeah that 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 Bar- I could have sworn the Berenstein Bears uh, series from Nelvana lasted way more than a year, but that it, it only lasted a year. Whoops. Anyway. Um, yeah, Nelvana is fine, I guess, but ultimately, I don't know. I, I think it's I I think it depend. I think it ultimately depends on the creative team behind it more than anything. So I, I, they seem to do good stuff uh, with some of their shows. Maggie and the Ferocious Beast, I do remember that. Uh, that was a, I remember seeing that or like when I stayed home from school some days. Uh, Marvin the Tap Dancing Horse. So yeah, a bunch of these I I recognize, but they seem to go towards a younger audience than uh, so, and that it, that just isn't for me. I'm getting off on a tangent. Point is, Hotel Transylvania three is fine. I prefer two the most, but your mileage may vary on all three. movie is exactly what you expect it to be it's dumb it showcases really ludicrous action at the expense of you know basic logic and reasoning and it's more show than um show stuff blowing up than tell a good story (laughs) it's 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 more show than tell show stuff blowing up then tell a good story. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's it it is. I don't know what to say. Like it's dumb. It's really dumb. But I didn't hate it. Like I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was just perfectly. You know what this is? This is USA middle of the afternoon on a Sunday kind of movie. This is the kind of movie that they show on, like, or maybe, like, FX. FX on 5 o'clock on a, on a Saturday sort of movie. This is that sort of movie. That's the kind of movie they went with. And I'm not familiar with the dir- writer-director. I, I, I thought it was the um, guy behind um, his other movie... Um, San Andreas, but that was Rampage was the San Andreas guy. Uh, Rawson Marshall Thurber uh, was the guy behind uh, Skyscraper. And he's mainly known for comedies. He directed We're the Millers and Dodgeball. Uh, he's directing We're the Millers too. He did a Central Intelligence and something called The Mysteries of Pittsburgh, which I have never heard of. Based on Michael Chabon's novel, Film Chronicles, The Defining Summer of a Recent... Some kind of dramedy with Peter Sarsgaard and Sienna Miller, uh, and some guy named John Foster I've never heard of, who but who looks like uh, like John Krasinski's less talented younger brother. Apparently Nick Nolte's in it too. 
Um, not very well received. So, I mean, this guy's not, not, I don't know where the heck he came up with this. If he's a, like, maybe he wanted to, to go to more blockbustery action stuff. I don't know why he decided to go with this direction when he's mainly been a comedy writer director and because i mean it, it, this isn't exactly like i think rampage was a better action movie starring the rock this year than skyscraper was skyscraper is ultimately just kind of meh like once again you could be watching die hard or any of the other die hard ripoffs this is just this is a die hard ripoff that should go direct to dvd but was given uh, an a movie budget I don't know where the heck that, how the heck that happened, other than the fact that The Rock's in it and The Rock draws money. But yeah, I mean, what, what do you, I, I don't know what to say because The Rock's fine. I, I, I can't speak to him playing an amputee. I think I don't think he, I don't think he does it well because you can you can never really see it unless they point it unless they do something to point it out specifically. Uh, he might as well be able-bodied in the movie. He doesn't you know the whole him 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 having a prosthetic leg doesn't only comes up when it's when it's when it's there for an action set piece. Um, I think the villains are really lame, and they and Thurber didn't even bother to try and make them interesting or even subversive. Like you can automatically tell who's going to be a villain just by how he shoots it. So I don't know if that's meant to be funny. Or if he just sucks at it, because if he's meant to be funny, it's a bad joke. If he was trying to be serious, he sucks at it. Um, the Rock's fine. Um, Nev Campbell is all right. I like that she gets to be. She's not a stereotypical damsel in distress for the most part. Um, you know, she handles herself perfectly well, and is able, and even and even assists the police later on. She's uh, so. I mean, that's better than a lot of women have been given in this sort of uh, role. But at the same time, it's it's not. I mean, whatever cool things they had, like the like the way like the whole idea behind the building is is lost in the in just lackluster writing and character um, creation, and the action sequences are just okay. Like I've seen better. I've seen worse. It's just perfectly middle of the road. Like I said, this is uh, some afternoon on the weekend or maybe even 5 o'clock on a Tuesday on FX. We're showing Skyscraper or something. Like, I don't... You don't need to go out to theaters to see this. And I don't know if people are... I don't know if people are even getting into the... I mean, people were already making fun of the movie. I don't think they're willing to pay to go see it in theaters unless it's... This this could just as easily be carried by the foreign markets. Uh, plenty of movies like that's the thing. That's the thing. Dumb action movies over here in the states do better in foreign markets because it's since it doesn't rely so much on the dialogue and the story. You can just show imagery and anybody could get into it, even with or without context. You don't need context to enjoy The Rock doing stunts or dinosaurs or things blowing up, you know? So maybe the foreign markets will be into this, although they could just as easily be like, nah, this one we're cool with. We'll go see dinosaurs again or something. Uh, 
I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll, wait, I'll have to see in the box office report what, what, what exactly went down over all this weekend. But, yeah, you don't have to... Wait till this comes to basic cable or red box. You don't need to rush out to theaters to see this. It's perfectly mediocre. Salutations, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Popcorn Junkie here for a little Netflix and chat. Alright. I got a nice surprise from Netflix this weekend because as I was looking Netflix, because I remember Hotel Transylvania the series is on Netflix, so I wanted to see how that was. When I went on to Netflix, when I logged on to Netflix, they were promoting their latest DreamWorks animated series. And their DreamWorks animated series have been more missed than hit. I was into Turbo more than the movie because it reminded me a lot of those early 2000s era cartoons. And I was cool with that more than the movie. And the other ones I never... Ch- I don't know how Trolls did. I was had no interest in seeing Boss Baby. The Spirit one baffles me to this day. I have no idea if it's any good. Um, I didn't see the home series and I only watched bits and pieces of the, of the uh, Peabody and Sherman series. I just know they went with the talk show format, which I feel is missing the point. The whole point in the Rocky Bullwinkle show was that Peabody and Sherman would just pop in in different points in history and it would be little jokes about actual history you know it would be joking at history and making a, making goofs so making a talk show i'm not into that as much um i can't remember what other i think uh oh i've seen bits and pieces of the uh uh puss and boots series on netflix it's fine it's it's decent animation i'll say that um for C, especially for like netflix netflix uh grade cg um you could do worse uh, but anyway, this, my, my to date favorite DreamWorks. Yes. To date favorite DreamWorks movie more than how the train your dragon, either of them more than Kung Fu Panda, any of them. My favorite DreamWorks movie currently is Captain Underpants because that is, it was my jam as a kid and they captured it perfectly in the movie and they and I was saying when it came out why isn't that a series guess they were working on it and they surprised me with it it's a very ha- a very merry unbirthday surprise for me because it is glorious if you're a fan of the underpants books you're you got to see this series it takes place after the event of the movie i'm assuming they don't tie into the toilet storyline for the second book. Um, and Professor Poopy Pants isn't brought up, probably because they want to see how the first season went. This season actually um, dealt... I don't know if they were based on any of the books specifically, but they had a lot of um, new enemies that they that they coined up. Uh, and the basic, the basic theme of the show... Is there's, uh, like with the books, there's a monster of the day. And I'm trying to... I, well, first of all, the main thing I like is that they got age-appropriate voice actors for Harold and uh, George. And they and they sound great. 
Uh, Sean Astin is the narrator. He narrates everything. He's 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 phenomenal. You wouldn't even recognize him. Uh, David Koechner uh, is a a recurring character, the gym teacher. Um, Clancy Brown shows up for an episode. Lorraine Newman's there. Mindy Sterling shows up for an episode. So they got some fun um, supporting cast uh, guest stars. But I don't... I'm so far behind on the the, uh, book series, so I have no idea how many of these are based on the actual books, but... Uh, frenzied farts of flabby flabulous, dreadful debacle of DJ drowsy drawers, uh, that played by the music teacher in the school, uh, that being the music teacher in the school played by Tress McNeil, uh, the horrible hostilities of the homework Hydra, the vexing villainy of the vile vampire, uh, terrifying perilous misfortune of the TP mummy, the squishy predicament of the Stanley P... Eat Stinky Pits. I think it's a typo. I think it's supposed to be just of Stanley Pete Stinky Pits. Uh, the costly conundrum of the calamitous Claylossus. The jarring jerkiness of the Judge jo- of Judge Jorts. The strange strife of the smelly Soctopus. That monster being played by John DiMaggio. The flustering mindless woe of the flushable memory wipe. And the, so- the soggy salvation of the swirling sweat Nami. The sickening fumes of Smartsy Fartsy and the troublesome treachery of the thieving and toot fairy. So yeah, like the books, it's very bodily based humor, sweat, farts. Uh, they don't go with boogers too much. It's mainly, you know, sweat in some episodes, farts in some episodes more. Um, it's a lot of, it's a it's very kid centric humor like the books. But I dig that they do have more prominent female characters for the show. Namely, Erica Chang, who is a black girl uh, played by Erica Luttrell, who I'm not familiar with off the top of my head. Uh, Erica Wang. I thought I heard Chang uh, in the series when I watched the series. I have to rewatch. Erica Luttrell, though, uh, who plays Sapphire and Pad Para. Hold on. Had Paracha Sapphire and Cluster. So she's she's an actress on Steven Universe. She's AXA, A-C-X-A on Voltron. Apparently she was also in Puss in Boots. Uh, some, some minor characters in The Lion Guard. So she's a voice actress uh, appearing in a lot of stuff. Bunch of video games. Um, and she, she, so she's the most prominent female character. Uh, oh, 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 she's Keisha. She's Keisha from the Magic School Bus. Yes. Okay. Okay. I know who this is. I know who this is. Um, anyway, she is the sort of most prominent female character in the show. And she's basically like the, essentially the valedictorian. She's the smart one, most charismatic, but she's also willing to play jokes and have fun and play along with the guys, but also call them out. Like, the vampire episode deals with um, her calling him out on, you know, writing stuff for boys and not and not including girls. Um, and, and which, I mean, they, they if they want to be better comic book writers, then yeah, they should be, make something more, uh, they should be, make, they can make something that appeals to everybody uh, more. Because, I mean, they had no problem with that in other episodes, but uh, they, had, they had a bad string of mainly 
uh, boy stuff. Uh, it was an that was an interesting episode. I I don't think it did it handled the idea of commenting on sexism that well, but I don't think it was trying to either. I think it was trying to you know be try to deal with that respectfully without being um, douchey about it, and I think they handled that uh, all right. Um, but then they also introduce a character who's a who, who's into sculpting, who actually is a big fan of theirs and becomes a friend. Uh, over the course of the episode and a lot of it deals with really out there sci-fi stuff so um, you've got time travel in multiple episodes you've got you know superhero stuff like toxic waste giving you superpowers and radioactivity um, uh, Jim Roach the dean from uh, uh, the Academy Award winning writer of The Descendants and the dean from Community uh, plays the Judge Jorts, uh, who's a uh, new, recently hired teacher uh, who's supposed to be their Spanish teacher and who has a lot of issues with um, you know self-confidence and whatnot. Point is, there's a lot of great guest stars in the series, and the series pretty much captures what the books were like on an episodic basis. This is the series that I wanted out of that new movie. And it, it, the best part, it's multimedia. So the flipporama that they included in the movie, there's one of those in every episode. However, each flipporama is different depending on the episode. So I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I forgot to write uh, some of them down. Um, one was uh, the intern using office supplies to do it. Uh, <laughs> so like this, you know, this, she's like using a stapler and attacking the staple remover. <laughs> Uh, one is actual feet. Uh, the sock episode has uh, Captain Underpants and the and then the octopus as feet, uh, sort of like mashing each other, sort of like foot wrestling. <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think what else. I'm trying to think of some other really great examples. Um, oh, um, the Clay Lossus one. Uh, everyone turns into clay for a portion of the episode, but. <laughs> The, but the the cost of making claymation gets so expensive that they in the same vein as um as uh, that gumball episode they start losing uh, dimension and they start start getting start losing just start start becoming very simplistic and like you gotta change us back or else we're gonna or else we're gonna hit or else the show's gonna end <laughs> uh I, I you know it's on it's a not, it's nothing that groundbreaking but i like when they go that meta direction it's great the meta humor in this is phenomenal um like even characters themselves will start will will break the fourth wall from time to time uh let me see if uh if if there's like a wiki already that has the uh flipporamas uh nah nah the Oh, stupid buddy. Wait a minute. Stupid monkey did the claymation! Formerly stupid monkey. The, the guy who's behind Robot Chicken did the claymation for that episode. That is awesome. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there has to be a list of the Flipporamas somewhere. Captain Underpants Wiki. Let's try this. 
And that's just explaining how the Flipporama works in the books. Ah. Uh, I don't have a list yet. I guess it's too new. I think it just premiered this weekend. Hold on, let me see what the premiere date was. It just premiered. It just premiered on Friday. So I'm getting in on this on the I'm getting in on this at the ground at the ground floor. I'm 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 breaking in as soon as it's new. And of course, um I don't want to give too much away, but there is a uh, there is a thematic uh arc involving the boys getting expelled at 500 uh visits to the principal's office and so as the series you know as the series goes along every time they show up in Krupp's office he's like ching and visit number 473 or something like that and eventually it and the one of the culminating things for the ser- for the season is is that 500 is what will happen with that 500th visit uh yeah i I'm all about, uh, okay, not, yeah, Jim Rash, Jim Rash, um, uh, but yeah, Jim Rash, uh, Dean Pelton from the, from Community and a, a, an Academy Award winning, uh, screenwriter of The Descendants. So crazy to think about. I remember Community was on when that happened. Oh, okay, Rob Riggle's one of the villains of the day. And then, um, Maggie Wheeler. From Everybody Loves Raymond and Ellen Janice on Friends. I'm not familiar with her. She um she wasn't uh uh she didn't ha- have that much of a presence in the uh in her episode. Clancy Brown was more of the, the star of the guest star of the of the day for that episode. Um Okay, it is Erica Wang. I must have misheard it. Um but yeah, most of the most of the voice casts are actually kids. Uh besides like uh the you know, the adult Stephen Root is uh one of the um his uh and of course all the puns. All the puns. Stephen Root plays uh the science teacher who who was uh released from uh a psychiatric ward uh named Mr. Mortified. Uh Lorraine Newman plays, I think, uh, the secretary, Miss Ms. Tara Ribble. Um, Tress McNeil was the music teacher, Ms. Hurd. Um, this one is not as not not as solid. Uh, David Keckner play has a recurring role as the gym teacher, Mr. Meaner. Oh God, I just got that. Son of a son of you, clever bastards! I just got that. Um. Um, Clancy Brown's character is, is to tie into his uh, arc in the episode, Mister Re. Um, no, Ms. Anthrope is the secretary. I forget who Ms. Oh, 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 she's their main teacher, Ms. Tara Ribble. That's right. I for, I'm uh, Ms. Anthrope. Um, Ms. See what uh, Jim Rash's character was the Spanish teacher, so he was senior citizen. Um. Ms. You. I don't get that one. That was the French teacher for that episode. Um, but yeah, it's... it's. I love... I love this series. This is the kind of stuff that I would live for. 
growing up. Uh, and I highly recommend if you are any fan of the books or of the new movie, or if you've got kids of that age that are into that, show them the series. This is going to be right up their alley. I can't. I I hope that they renew this for a second season. If none of the other, if none of the other DreamWorks series, I need this to have a, at least a second season. I'm okay with two or three. It doesn't have to go on in perpetuity, but at least a, another a, a one or two more seasons, and I'll be and I'll be forever grateful. I I love. I'll, I I want to rewatch it again. I'm going to rewatch it again and again and again and again. This is my jam. Uh, anyway, that about does it for the reviews this week. And after this break, we'll be talking about Sony Pictures. You want to hear four badass women discuss and dissect modern and classic horror films. Join us at Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. Oh! On the Gummy Cat Network. Don't read the Latin. Do you know that in the world of the insane, you will find a kind of truth more terrifying I don't think I've done this for Sony. Every so often, uh, when it, when I can't think of an, uh, um, a more uh, con- a more convenient, I guess, or a more uh, appropriate topic, I'll sometimes dig into one of the studios releasing a movie that week. And I think one of the more fascinating ones that came up this week was Sony Pictures, namely Sony Animation. Or if you want more information about Sony Animations and what's going on with them, or what was going on with them. Uh, you can. I recommend checking out uh, Saber Sparks. What ruined Sony Animation? Because uh, that is a he delves into the animation portion of Sony Pictures. But I'm going to be looking at Sony Pictures as a whole because you, if if, if one, if if nothing else, Sony Pictures has become synonymous with just um, as sort of like the Charlie, Charlie Brown. Of uh, of the of the major players in Hollywood, they're the ones that keep screwing up uh, Spider Man. They screwed up Ghostbusters, if not in execution, in marketing. Um, so, so so they have become sort of uh, synonymous with really you know with with real. Um, like blunders in terms of if not if not if not filmmaking then at least in terms of um mar- their marketing tactics so i'm going to go back to about where it kind of started sony pictures was actually born out of the company sony the electronics company buying the columbia pictures and tristar pictures production houses from Coca-Cola. 
corporate owned um, corporate owned uh, film studios have a fascinating, fascinating history, especially during the eighties. Uh, yeah, in nineteen eighty nine, Sony uh, uh, purchased all the Coca Cola Company stock in uh, Columbia Pictures, and then eventually went on to to purchase both Columbia Pictures and TriStar Pictures. Um, which uh, TriStar was renamed to Columbia Pictures Entertainment under Coca-Cola. It was really, it, this whole era, late 80s, early 90s, is just bananas in terms of ownership, who owns what. Um, see also what happened to Marvel's rights, uh, media rights. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to th- try to skim through... Uh, yeah, friendly takeover bid uh, of CPE from Coca-Cola and numerous other film production distribution units such as Sony Pictures Classic, uh, Columbia TriStar Pictures uh, by merging the two that they purchased in 19, uh, that happened in 1998 and uh, they, they brought back Screen Gems which is still going on as far as I know and then they're co-owners with um, oh, Sony-led consortium acquired the legendary Hollywood studio Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer in a leveraged buyout through holding company MGM Holdings, which I think now is co-owned by Warner Brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Because I know Warner Brothers has been the main one behind um, MGM recently. Or does Sony still own the rights to MGM? Uh, Acquired MGM leverage buyout. Trying to to find how how, um, Warner Brothers ties into this. Because Warner Brothers is the one I see tied into uh, MGM nowadays. I guess maybe they'll work together? I'm not... I'm not sure. I'm not seeing MGM pop up with... Uh, with Warner Brothers so much. It seems to mainly be... so. Oh, wait, here we go. Here's something. MGM decided to use the rights to the leverage as possible. Save the studio with Anna Pernum Pictures and Warner Brothers, seen as potential bidders. Um, that was this pat. That was this year. So let me see this. Let me see what the deal is with them and. Warner Brothers. Begin with Time Warner. Turner Entertainment Group had risen in success. Da, 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 da. Leading bidder proved to be Sony Corporation of America, backed by Comcast. Blu-ray disc support at MGM. Cost synergies with Sony Pictures Entertainment were secondary. Weinstein Company, Lakeshore Entertainment, Bauer, Martinez, and many other independent studios. Sony owns the rights to home video output. Oh, wait, from Sony Pictures to 20th Century Fox. So Fox owns the 
home video rights to the MGM library. Business distribution. Oh, wait, I'm not thinking of MG MGM's not who I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of New Line. Warner Brothers bought out New Line. God. Let's see what I'm saying about all this. All, the, all this corporate ownership and stuff. You can never tell who owns what anymore. So yeah, but yeah, apparently Sony is the main shareholder in MGM in MGM currently. Um, which gives them access to the Bond series, uh, as well as most of MGM's uh old live old old um all their holdings. Um But I'm trying to think. But I think I'm trying to figure out where they where they kind of drop the ball because a lot of the, a lot of stuff uh, seems to be fun. Like if you look at that's the thing. Sony Pictures is a massive umbrella for all of their other divisions. You've got Columbia and TriStar, their main ones they acquired. Classics, which is the art house and independent uh, genre animation. Which was started up in 2002. Screen Gems, which which came with, I believe, Columbia, either Columbia or TriStar, or that whole, whatever that whole thing was, which I believe is still functioning. Um, TriStar Productions for TV, Imageworks, uh, which is another animation department, and then Ac Worldwide Acquisitions, which is a whole, whole other umbrella group other stuff including a firm films their their exploitation ones and then they've also got deals going on with Annapurna Pictures, Capcom, Constantin, CBS Films, Escape Artists, Ghost House Pictures, Happy Madison, Castle Rock, Lakeshore Entertainment, Lucasfilm, Marvel, Marvel Studios, Marza Animation Planet, Original Film, Point Grey, Will Packer, Village Roadshow, Apatow Productions, Gracie Films and Cross Creek Pictures, so they've got their they've got their hands in a lot of stuff, and then of course there's their franchises. They've got uh, access to Annie, which they tried to bring back uh, through Village Roadshow, Ghostbusters, The Karate Kid, which they tried to bring back, uh, Bad Boys, which they're still trying to bring back, Jumanji, which they just did a new thing for. Anaconda, which they still have the rights to, and are pumping out direct-to-video movies. Men in Black, which they just did a, which they did a, a recent sequel not too long ago. Um, Starship Troopers, which they still pump out stuff. Baby Geniuses, which still gets stuff pumped out to DVD. Uh, Stuart Little, they have the access to the rights to Spider-Man. Still Triple X, they just did a new thing for Underworld. Got a new movie last year. Uh, Grudge, Hostel, James Bond, the Dan Brown uh, uh, series, um, the Da Vinci Codes, uh, that whole franchise, uh, Ghost Rider, they they had for a bit. Um, Surf Slap got a got a movie, uh, direct a video with WWE, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Insidious, with Blumhouse, The Smurfs, which they just what they still did, uh, Jump Street, Hotel Transylvania, The Equalizer, which they. Are doing the sequel too. Goosebumps is getting a sequel uh, later this year, and then apparently they're considering Peter Rabbit a franchise somehow. But yeah, um, I'm trying to think of their bit. 
I'm I'm look I'm looking through their release history. Um, I think sometime in the it doesn't say too much about it. It, it doesn't say too much about like who would be um, who would be sort of the set, the central figure in what went wrong. I'd have to look into something other than Wikipedia. Something more. I'd have to try and find a book about this if there even is one. Um, at any rate, I think the biggest thing that came out of to, to correlate with Sony Pictures are the um, the infamous 2014 hacks that ha- that kind of revealed interoffice memos at, between stu- between studio heads, and that kind of revealed a lot of squabbling and pettiness between the heads there and and it really just ultimately I mean one for one thing it led to the uh to the loss of Amy Pascal as the president of Sony Pictures uh, since this happened under her um watch and it's hard to it's hard to say um It's hard to like. It's hard to say if if that's because that those those leaks involve uh, correlate uh, correspondences that go back to about 2012, if not earlier, and it kind of revealed there's a lot of in in house fight infighting amongst Sony Pictures uh, executives um, at the time, and. It's hard. Oh, apparently there is a documentary uh, being developed about it, which I would think so. It's a very, it's a very, it's a very, uh, very important piece in um, film history. It, 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 it was. It's, 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 it's insane how um, how that all went down, and. Uh, you know all this apparently into tie into the interview, although it's hard to say if that w- really was the impetus, at, or, or if it was just Sony. Because that's the thing, Sony Entertainment itself, uh, through their uh, PlayStation Network, has proven to be very, very weak on security. So they could have just been an easily targeted studio. They could have just been the easiest target, but. Um, yeah, apparently Pascal had a lot of a uh, lot of bad words to say for Marvel Studios about the Spider-Man franchise. Um, details on Annie, Mister Turner, Still Alice, and to love to write love on her arms were leaked. No idea if any of those movies even. Re- Mister Turner came out still alive. Okay, the, I yeah, those were late, released later in 2014. Uh Although Toure Love on Her Arms came back and uh, was released in 2012, so I have no idea. I have no idea uh, why they released date. Uh, maybe it got got pushed because apparently it was made in 2012. When did it get released? Okay, eventually released on DVD in 2015. So it was they were planning on releasing it, even though it was already two years old by that point. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, I think it... But, like I said, I think a lot of that is mainly to deal with the fact that Sony and Entertainment, as a company, has never been the tightest on security. So, as much as... as it's hard to say if it truly was... And, of course, a lot of that stuff coming from... Russia and North Korea could just as easily be subterfuge. It's hard to say, hard to know what's a genuine threat and what's, you know, what's smoke, it, it, smoke trying to lead you towards a fire when, and when it's just, you know, and when, it, when it ultimately is just regular smoke, you know, they're just trying to blow smoke. It, hard to say. I'd have to, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have to read more into that part of it, but really it, it, I'm I'm try I'm not seeing too much information on where Sony sort of began dropping the ball. Like I'm looking even going so far as to look at their releases. If we start at the 2010s, you get the Bounty Hunter, okay, which is a Razzie award-winning comedy starring Gerard Butler and Jennifer Aniston, the Karate Kid remake, uh Grown Ups, Salt, the other guy, so I mean but once again, the Sony, uh, Columbia Pictures is kind of their big studio. Um, okay, yeah, there's there. I'm seeing a pattern here: Green Hornet, Battle of Lost, Battle Los Angeles, Bad Teacher, Zookeep, a bunch of stuff dealing with Happy Madison. Um, but at the same time, you're getting stuff like Moneyball and The Social Network, which are parts of um, their subsidiaries. Arthur Christmas was a co-production with Ardman Animation. Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which is really good. Avengers of Tintin was a co-production with that. Was a distribution. They had the dis- distribution rights to. Um, that's my boy. Okay, Amazing Spider-Man. Total Recall. The Total Recall remake. Um, something called Hope Springs, which I have no idea if it's any good. Uh, but at the same, once again, Premium Rush. People like I was not into it. I actually. <laughs> Uh, apparently a, a, a friend of mine who has moved out to LA was, had a, um, I think a, an ex-boyfriend, uh, boyfriend at the time, uh, who was in, involved in the movie, but I wasn't that into it. I, I, I don't know. I think it's just, I think it took itself way too seriously. Although maybe I was just in a bad headspace when I watched it, but, uh, uh, once again, Skyfall, Zero Dark Thirty, they, um, really stuff with Jet. Django Unchained. Uh, okay, international distribution only. Uh, but here we go. This is the end. As well as After Earth. Same year as After Earth and White House Down. Uh, Cap- that same year, Captain Phillips. Monuments Men. American Hustle. So, I mean, I think it depends. Uh, Robocop remake came out, th- came out from them. But so did Fury, which was a very... What I personally enjoyed the heck out of. Uh, Chappie, I enjoyed. Uh, Aloha and Pixels but then that same year Goosebumps um, the horror comedy Freaks of Nature which seems to be a send up of like 80 slasher comedies uh, The Fifth Wave Risen through Affirm Films Brothers Grimsby Miracles from Heaven. So Firm, they they started making films with them in uh, 2016, it looks like. Angry Birds, uh, The Shallows, Ghostbusters, Sausage Party, Magnificent Seven seems to be the best thing that came out from Sony in 2016. 
passengers. So I think ultimately what it comes down to is, I don't know if it's they're picking bad scripts or what last year, Life, Rough Night, uh, The Emoji Movie, The Dark Tower, The Flatliners remake. Oh, only the but then only the brave Roman J Israel Esquire, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is was one of their biggest sell, sellers last year. So, and then if you look at this year, Columbia Pictures has released released Peter Rabbit, Superfly, Sicario two, and then just recently Hotel Transylvania three. And next weekend and this coming weekend, it's going to be the Equalizer two. So. It, it's it all. I think it ultimately just depends. Um, as for their um, their sister company, TriStar, they brought this the last couple of years. They they haven't been as uh, Columbia Pictures is the main uh, production house for Sony Pictures, but TriStar has brought us uh, Soul Surfer, which apparently was also through a firm films, Jumping the Broom. Uh, from which was co-production with Our Stories and Stage Six, Courageous with a Firm Films, Oof. Sparkle with Stage Six, Looper, uh, The Call from WWE Studios of all things, The Evil Dead remake, Elysium, Pompeii, a bunch of a Firm Films, Ricky and the Flash, War Room, which was I, which I think was, yeah, that was also a Firm Films. Uh, I don't know why it's not listed. There, uh, the walk, uh, the Robert Zemeckis movie about the guy wa- who walked between the twin towers, uh, Money Monster from a couple year- from a couple years ago, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, Train Spotting Two, Baby Driver, and then All the Money in the World, and they've got so TriStar unfortunately doesn't get as much tied into their releases apparently since being bought out by Sony. They most of the Sony stuff gets funneled through Columbia Pictures. Like, the next film from TriStar is coming out in 2019. And it's called... And it's some and it's based on an Australian novel by uh, Grammy Simpson, Simpson, I think. Uh, Rosie Project. Uh, that's the next film from TriStar Pictures. Uh, whereas if you look at the likes of Screen Gems... They've they're searching is through Screen Gems. The Slender Man movie is through Screen Gems. Uh, they just did Proud Mary, uh, the Resident Evil movies, the Underworld franchise, When the Bow Breaks, Don't Breathe, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, The Wedding Ringer. So I mean, Screen Gems try it focuses more on the independent side of things. The Carrie remake, Battle of the Year, oof. but at the same time, they're not known for picking the. The, the best of the bunch either. At the same time, Easy A was through them, and that's, that was a very well-regarded movie from them. Legion, Takers, uh, um, Country Strong, uh, The Roommate, which I don't even remember coming out, uh, Priest, The Straw Dogs remake, where I, I, I just know I've told the story before. I got into a tiff with the director of the Straw Dogs remake because I didn't like the trailer. I didn't think the trailer looked at, looked that good, and he got all mad at me. And guess what? It turned out not a lot of people went to see it either. So, 
<laughs> Don't get pissy at me, dude. Um, the Vow, Think Like a Man, uh, Mortal Instruments. So Screen Gems ha- has been more missed than hit. Uh, I mean, Underworld made them made them made its money back. Most of the stuff makes its money back for the most part. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies didn't. Proud Mary didn't really keep watching. Only didn't even make it past a hundred thousand. And I'm, which I've never even heard of it. So apparently they just dumped it out to whoever would play, whoever was willing to pay for it. But um, yeah, so Screen Gems is apparently horror and independent themed. Um, that's what, yeah, namely horror. So that's kind of Screen Gems wheelhouse. And uh, and then of course Sony Pictures Classics. If you look at them, it's all indie stuff. The Seagull. Uh, boundaries, stuff you might never heard of. Uh, I'm trying to look for the writer was getting. I was seeing a lot of uh, buzz about. Um, it's about a uh, rodeo rider in uh, Dakota. Oh no, shot in the Badlands in South Dakota. Um, Foxtrot, never heard of it. Uh, Loveless. Uh, okay, Loveless was one of the um, one of the. Uh, Foreign film nominees for best picture, a Fantastic Woman, the uh, the winner for best foreign language film, uh, the last Academy Awards, Call Me by Your Name, Brigsby Bear, there we go, um, Thirteen Minutes, I don't remember that, I think it was another uh, best best foreign language film nominee, uh, The Red Turtle, best animated film nominee, it was a uh, a bunch of Miyazaki, a um, bunch of Ghibli people, uh, so it was a co production between Wild Bunch and Ghibli, uh, The Comedian. Which I, I'm not sure if it was a remake of the. I'm maybe thinking of something else, but that was a De Niro film from a while back. Um, a lot of, but yeah. So, Miles Ahead, which I which I dug, uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl. So I mean, it's hard to say if Sony Pictures Classics is as uh, profitable as their other ones, but at least that one is more in line with what you would expect from an independent distributor. They know their lane and they seem to manage to they seem they've managed to release release pretty decent product for as far as I can tell. So it's hard to say. I don't even know how badly Sony Pictures is doing as a company. Like if we like in terms of how they're doing and um, in terms of how, uh, like their their profits, their returns, um, three hundred seventy six million for full year profit. Uh, overall, posted its best financials in two decades with annual profits of four point four billion. That's the whole company. Uh, fiscal year through the end of March was twelve percent up. Was up twelve percent, but up to nine point two five billion dollars. So I think Sony Pictures is ultimately doing fine. Uh, they're doing a lot better now. I think. I think what happened. I think what just happened was there that whole period through the two thousand through the through the aughts, the twenty aughts. Uh, they saw a lot. They made a lot of bad decisions in terms of what films to produce, and that's mainly through Columbia Pictures, their biggest uh, production company, and. It's hard to say. If we look, if we look ahead, 
We've got Equalizer 2 next week, this coming weekend. Alpha is going to be in August, which is that long-delayed caveman uh, wolf domestication movie. They've got Venom in October, as well as Goosebumps, this Goosebumps sequel. But then they've also got the um, the new, um, their new uh, reboot of uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the Millennium series, uh, coming up in November. Into the Spider-Verse through Sony Animation uh, is coming in December, as well as their, um, the, the, the Sherlock Holmes comedy starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, which I'm not sure about. Um, and then if we look into next year, they've got plans for, um, apparently the guy behind, uh, American Graffiti and the Buddy Holly story is doing a new movie. Let me see. Uh, Charlie's, An- there's a Charlie's Angels remake coming. Um, uh, there's a new Men in Black slated for next year. Spider-Man Far From Home, they're, pro- they're co-producing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. About the Manson family, I think that one's um, Tarantino. The, uh, the A Grudge remake is coming out uh, next year. The Angry Birds 2 is coming out next year. The Crow remake is supposed to come out next year. They're going to do a third Jumanji movie for next year. The Masters of the Universe fran- remake is going to be next year. Um, Aaron Schneider. Not sure about this one. Let me look at that. Um, uh, Dolphin Tales, no, oh, but, but, um, that, the first thing coming out from them in 2019 seems to be something called, um, A Dog's Way Home, I think. A uh, Dog's Way Home, it, and it's from the guy behind Dolphin Tale, for whatever that's worth, but, uh, I'll, uh, Let me see if I can find any information. A dog travels 400 miles. And so, okay, so it seems to be in the same vein as um, Homeward Bound, that sort of uh, Milo notice, that sort of returning, return, you know, dog returns home despite all the odds. Um, okay, he starred in it. He was an actor in American Graffiti. That's all. Um, best known for directing uh, the Dolphin Tale duology, uh, sort of Destiny. A bunch of stuff with Da Vinci for some reason. Snow Walker and Air Bud. Okay, so this guy's a kid movie director for the most part. Uh, so that's kind of what's going to be in coming in. That's going to be coming next year from Sony. As well as... Um, yeah, Greyhound. Which is an upcoming war film directed by Aaron Schneider and starring Tom Hanks. Aaron Schneider... Best known for Get Low in 2009. Um, as well as... Uh, what else? Uh, Get Low. It's, well, Get Low is, is probably his biggest one. That was um, uh, Robert Duvall and Bill Murray. I think it's the, it's the guy who... It's uh, Robert Duvall throws his own funeral. Uh, he hasn't done anything in almost 10 years. Wow. I wonder what he's been doing to keep busy. Um, maybe he's been making independent movies, or maybe he's been doing theater. It's hard to say. Um, but he, yeah, he's got a new one coming up. Uh, Tom Hanks, uh, and based on The Good Shepherd by C.S. Forrester. Uh, International Convoy of Thirty Seven Allied Ships, 
across the treacherous North Atlantic while being hotly pursued by wolf packs of German U-boats. So it's going to be a war film. Okay. Yeah, well, another World War II film with Tom Hanks. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but that's all... Co- yeah, again, that's all coming out 2019. The rest of this year looks hit or miss, depending. But I feel like Sony is on the ups. I feel like Sony is making a rebound, all things considered. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I think... I think whoever, I think it was just a matter of bad projects. And once again, you could never tell if something's going to work in your favor or not. Some things are purely business, like the amount of sequels and remakes. That's a, that's a businessman's decision. That's a business company decision sort of thing, not an artistic decision. Or, um, but even so, some remakes can work out fine. Like the Magnificent Seven remake was fun, was was decent. The Ghostbusters remake was fine. It just they had no idea how to really market it, and they also ultimately didn't know what they wanted from the movie. It, I, I bet there's a there's, there's a whole mess of history behind where that movie kind of where there was kind of like infighting and in how they wanted the movie to go. But you know, Jumanji the remake, people the sequel, people liked it. Uh, people flocked to it. And they loved it. So they, so it, you, you can never tell what's going to work out, and you can never tell what audiences are going to be into. The Mitchells versus the Machines from Sony Pictures Animation. Okay, so they are they're going to be doing the Barbie movie as well. They've got ties for the Uncharted and the Watchdog movies through Ubisoft. Um, there's Bad Boys for Life. Whenever that com- whenever that finally comes to fruition. So it's hard to say. Uh, Venom was was a purely business decision. It's a way to spite Marvel. Be like, hey, we can do we can do your movie. We can do a Venom. We can have our own Spider Verse without Spider Man. Which they they're doing that already. Like if they're gonna do Into the Spider Verse, did they need the Venom movie? That one feels like a spite move um, towards Marvel Studios. I don't know. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. It's, it's hard to say. I, I I get the feeling that Sony pic, that Sony Pictures is on the is on a rebound. I think after the I think the hacks did kind of make them reassess things. And I think I don't know who the current I think the current head current chairman Tom Rothman is the same guy who took over um, from uh, Amy Pascal after the whole debacle after the whole debacle. Um, Relaunch of TriStar. Okay, he helped relaunch TriStar Pictures. Okay, so yeah, the guy who's been in charge since Amy Pascal was was uh, went, since she resigned, um, continues to oversee properties he greenlit at TriStar. So I think I think the idea. Um, oh, he infamously rejected the idea behind Deadpool. Oof! I bet he's biting him. I bet he's kicking himself for that. Although maybe it's better now. Um, it, it, the way they did it, the way they they got to it now is probably for the best, all things considered. Um, so it was. So he seems to be doing all right. Um, I'm not sure who is. Um, apparently, he was. Uh, he was he was president of Fox while they while he, while they produced the uh, two highest grossing films of all time, Titanic and Avatar, unadjusted for inflation, obviously. Uh, adjusted for inflation, it's currently, I believe, gone with the wind still. Um, 
trying to think who the other who would be the other um i guess it's just who's in charge of columbia pictures uh let's take a look columbia pictures current uh current uh president is sanford panich panich sanford panich i want to say uh previously founded fox international productions a division of 21st century fox so another former fox associate uh June 2016, he was named president of Columbia Pictures. Okay, so he just started at Columbia Pictures. Who was president before him? Is there a way to see who the president, former presidents of Columbia Pictures are? Let me see. Um... Oddly enough, yeah, Panitch decided to head for head for Sony after his former uh, former former uh, supervi- supervisor and boss Rothman took over the company. Man, yeah, makes sense. You bring who you like, and you work for who you know you work well with. Um, who is the last uh, president of uh, Columbia Pictures? Let me see. Presidents of Columbia Pictures. There's got to be a list somewhere. Apparently Amy Pascal used to be president of Columbia Pictures. Let me see. Sony era. Okay, so 2010s. Uh, Tomalich, co-president of Step Down. Doug Belgrad, the other co-president of Columbia, promoted as sole president. Hannah Mingella, past $4 billion worldwide. Belgrad was named president of Sony Pictures Entertainment. On June 2nd, Sanford Panich, been the head of above, was named president of Columbia Pictures. So he took over from guy from whoever Del Belgrade is, um, but yeah, I think that's the whole thing is that the recent changes in leadership at Columbia Pictures and Sony, particularly, and you know Sony overall, Sony Pictures overall, and um, and uh, the and and Columbia Pictures currently, um, you've kind of seen that 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 shift in in what they're producing. So before you know, under Amy Pascal and the Doug Belgrad, they were producing some of the more infamous um, infamous entries in the series. Whereas recent, the most recent entries have been fairly well received. Although it's hard to say who greenlit what. That stuff we're not all privy to. But I feel like I feel like twenty late twenty seventeen, maybe early twenty eighteen, is when. Um, we would have seen a shift from uh, Belgrade to Panitch. And that's about that time is when we saw uh, Only the Brave, um, which I think began production in 2016, probably. Roma J. Israel Esquire. Uh, Jumanji's been in production forever. But um, Superfly Sicario, Day of the Soldado, Hotel Transylvania, Girl in the Spider's Web. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say 
who is who greenlit what without no without being privy to those conversations. But I feel like that that shift in leadership will bring about a an improvement in like 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 I said, uh, Panitch and Rothman are uh, were 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 the heads of Fox for years and Fox, during an era of like some of the best uh, profit not only profits but in terms of like. So, so from like the late nineties, well, how long was Rothman head of Fox? Um, Rothman, 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 Rothman. Where is he? I don't know. Where are you at, boy? Where are you at, my man? Uh, Pictures Entertainment. And see, not the Tony. It says Tony Vincicchiera. Vincicchiera, I think that's how you pronounce that. Uh, and uh, Tony Vincicchiera is a current head of and CEO of Sony Pictures. So where's Rothman come in? Why do I not see? I guess Vince Chieda is the CEO, but who's the, where's the president? Um, there we go. Tom Rothman, there. I'll have to find the guy's name. Jeez. Um, made the head of... Oh, he began working at Columbia Pictures in 1987. So he, was, so he came back to one of his early... Co- one of the early companies he helped work with. Um, uh, worked at Fox Films Entertainment. Founded was first president of Fox Searchlight in 1984. Uh, 96 to 98, president of production at 20th Century Fox. Uh, 98 to 2000, he was pre- president of 20th Century Fox. 2000 to 2012, was chairman of Fox Filmed Entertainment, uh, which includes all of the, all the companies that are part of the 20th Century Fox sort of group, entertainment production group. Um, so from 96 to 2012, he was, um, he was kind of in charge of Fox, all the productions at Fox. So, I, yeah, I, I think it's probably a great idea that he took over. Um, he took over uh, at at uh, Sony Pictures, uh, especially since he was already working with them by by revitalizing the TriStar Productions uh, company. So, I think what I'm tr- I guess what I'm just trying to say is um, I think Sony's. On the on the mend. I was I. It's not as it's not as promising as what I what I got from Pix, looking into Pixar's future, but 
from what I can tell, Sony seems to be on the mend from where they were. And I think that change in leadership after the hack helped to shuffle things around and help them to realize what they want, that they that, that how to improve. I think they've got some work to do, but I think with guys like Rothman and the people they brought in af- afterwards to to hopefully rebuild, that they should be fine. And we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but like I said, Sony's kind of always been hit and miss with Columbia Pictures. And I think it's just, it's just a matter of you greenlit what you think will sell. And sometimes what, what, what will sell doesn't sell. And what does sell is it may not be great. It just all depends. And I think hopefully um, with the change in leadership, we'll see an improvement in marketing as well. Because I know Sony Pictures has had a bad, bad time uh, selling stuff. Uh, although he was president when they start when they were tr- when they were uh, trying to release Ghostbusters, so maybe they you know who knows, who knows, who knows what goes down behind closed doors. I certainly don't. At any rate, I think Sony Pictures is going to be fine. I I have I have, I have positive uh, hopes for them. You know, I I I I don't. I would love to see them do well. I'd love to see them be a re- a a genuine artistic contender as well as a financial contender. You know, because I'd rather them be uh, mildly successful but release good movies rather than outrageously successful and release garbage. But that's that's me. I'm not a capitalist. Uh, so with all that being said, I think it's time we take a look at the box office report. And now the popcorn junkie checks in with this week's box office report. So we've got two major releases this weekend, which will kind of appear in the top seven, as it were. Uh, if I look as we look at um, what uh, has kind of dropped out of the top seven, a bunch of stuff actually, and we saw some gains in a bunch of stuff. Won't you be my neighbor? Saw its first loss in weeks, and I think it's mainly due to the fact that it hasn't increased its theater count. It looks like it looks like the, the- it actually looks like it dropped in theater count. So. If they can boost that back up, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that in the top ten again. But uh, as of right now, the current number seven was actually last week's number 16. It's Anna, a, a, hey, a Sony Pictures subsidiary. Annapurna um, production of Sorry to Bother You by Boots Riley, I believe. If I'm not mistaken. And that one is one I'm really hoping to see. Boots Riley, writer-director. And it's Lakeith Stanfield, who I love. And it, it the premise sounds outrageous and amazing. And I cannot wait to see it. And I hope it plays... I hope I get to see it sometime this week. Maybe if it's playing nearby. I have no idea. It may just end up being a limited release. And I have to check it out on DVD or something. But... I need to check it out. It sounds um, it sounds amazing, and uh, dropping down from number forty numbers. Uh, anyway, uh, for, sorry to bother you. Brought in four million this week, bringing its domestic total up to five million. Uh, no foreign totals as of yet. It's still an independent. It's an independent movie, so it's hard to say uh, how much it cost. Let me double check. Sorry to bother you. Cost does not say, uh, so it's hard. So it, it could be anywhere from five to ten million dollars, maybe even twenty. 
you can never tell with independent films how much they'll ultimately cost. But uh, I, I'm hope I'm hoping to see it because it looks great. Uh, next up, last week's number six, seven, last week's number four dropped down to number six. The Purge saw a precipitous drop uh, this weekend, making nine million dollars, bringing its domestic total up to forty nine million, forty nine and a half million. And its foreign total, and combined with its foreign total, a worldwide gross of $72 million. But it only cost $13 million to make, so they're fine. They made their money back first weekend. It doesn't matter how far this drops. They're good. And they will probably expect another... They're doing a Perch TV series for FX. So so I, I'm going to have to check that out at some point, see how that looks. Maybe I'll get into that more than the movies. Dropping down from number two to number five is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Bringing in fifteen million dollars this weekend, and like I like I said, it's this one's done fine. Three hundred sixty-three million uh, domestically, over a billion dollars worldwide compared to the other Jurassic Park movies. It's still behind um, Jurassic World, so it's not it hasn't outgrossed Jurassic World yet, but it's damn near close. So we're we can expect more Jurassic movies to come. Dropping down to number four from number three is Incredibles 2, bringing in $16 million this weekend. Uh, domestic total is $535 million, and worldwide is 856 making it the highest grossing animated movie, animated movie, unadjusted for inflation, apparently. Um, outgrossing Finding Dory, if there, I'm not sure if there's a way to... Um, Oh, excludes movies originally released before 1980. I was going to say, I still think Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is the highest grossing in terms of that. Um, I think it's ultimately the highest gross. Uh, here we go. Adjusted for in, even adjusted for inflation, it, out, it, 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 it outgrossed Finding Nemo, the previous uh, adjusted for inflation uh, record holder for Pixar. So as of right now, Incredibles 2 is the highest grossing not only animated movie uh, released in America, but really, but the highest grossing Pixar movie ever released. So congratulations, you deserved it. Premiering at number three this week is Skyscraper, which brought in $25 million, almost $25.5 million. And combined with its foreign gross, we got a worldwide weekend premiere at $65 million, almost 66. And... It costs $125 million to make, so it's starting off at a deficit. It, I'm, it's hard to say if the foreign markets will keep up and, and, bring it, and make it profitable, but uh, I doubt I, – I, I, I expect a really bad drop with uh, three, three new releases coming next weekend. I see Skyscraper dropping maybe even out of the top ten. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, not a, bad, a pretty bad opening for it, but – I kind of what I expected. Dropping out from number one this weekend is number this week's number two is Ant Man and the Wasp, which brought in twenty eight point eight million dollars, bringing its domestic gross to one hundred thirty two million and its worldwide gross up to two hundred eighty three million dollars. It's not listing its budget, so let me see what the wiki says. One hundred sixty two million. Uh, domestic it cost to make so if it can if it can uh get make its way over 300 million dollars before the end of its run 
Um, especially if it can get like $350 million by the end of its run, I think it'll be fine. And that'll that'll cut it'll make it high it'll make it the highest grossing I think of, of the ant no it's still behind Ant Man it still has it outgrossed Ant Man uh, the first Ant Man movie so we'll have to wait and see it may just be people weren't as interested to see uh, more Ant Man after Infinity War but uh, we'll have to wait and but yeah we'll have to wait and see for that <laughs> um, so it's not doing too great but Ant Man was never a big money maker for. Marvel, either, and then premiering at number one this weekend is at forty-four million dollars domestically is Hotel Transylvania Three: Summer Vacation, uh, and combined with its total, its worldwide weekend of release is a hundred million dollars. So it premiere it made more than its budget opening weekend, but it's still got um, a ways to go to make back make it profitable. But it seems to be doing well. Um, uh, Hotel Transylvania 2 is still the highest grossing out of all of the Hotel Transylvania series. Um, but well to, but opening apparently it doesn't have opening weekend dates. Okay, here we go. Uh, it premiered higher than Hotel Transylvania 1, but did not as high as Hotel Transylvania 2 opening weekend. So well to wait and see how it does uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's I don't think there's... The next kids movie to come out is, I believe, um, Teen Titans Go to the Movies in two weeks. So it's got a week... It, next weekend, it's the only family release besides Incredibles 2. So I think it'll do well. I think it'll keep relatively high next weekend. And then we'll see how it does once Teen Titans and Christopher Robin enter the fray for in terms of kids' movies. Uh, man, it, I, I expect Teen Titans Go to make more than Christopher Robin, but you never can tell with audiences. Maybe parents and kids will be more interested in seeing uh, new Winnie the Pooh than watching a TV show they can see as it is on on you know on the big screen. Uh, but that was our box office report. And with that said, let's take a look at what's to come in our trailer talk. Coming this summer. It's trailer talk. Rated R starts Friday. Like I mentioned, Sony has got two weekend, uh, in a weekend releases in a row. So, uh, first, we had... Um, actually, they've had a pretty successive line of releases uh, through June and up to now. Um, this time around, we've got a sequel to the pretty well-received uh, equal, uh, uh, basically, Denzel Washington Punisher movie, The Equalizer. I have to rewatch it. I don't remember. I don't remember too much about it. Like the same, I have the same problem with the first Equalizer that I do with Sicario. I think it was just that year. I did not remember a lot of stuff that I saw because that was also 2014. Um, I believe maybe that was 2016. If that was 2016, then I need to uh, re-listen, see if I don't remember it from the podcast. Hold on, maybe that was 2015. In which case, I don't think I even saw it in theaters. 2014. I think 2014 was just a bad year for me because I don't remember a lot of stuff from that. That was also the year that I was mostly unemployed. <laughs> For a good major- up until about this, about September, so yeah, I wonder why I wasn't remembering stuff from that year. 
Anyway, uh, let's take a look at the sequel to The Equalizer. First time to Turkey. Okay, this is an older trailer. I've been getting the uh, lift one, lift opening one recently. Yes, I'm looking for something. You can find whatever you wish in Turkey. How about a man who kidnapped little girl from her American mother? Would not be looking for such a man. Would be dangerous for you. Men like him would think that. Yeah, I dig the whole uh, synchronize his watch to see how long it takes him to get stuff to. I dig the action. Once again, the action looks great. It looks very, very much in the same style as John Wick, which I think th this, which the first movie did come out the same year as that first John Wick movie. So helping all these random people and everything. Stay off the radar. Something happened to one of ours. Is that a? I'm obligated to look into it. Who is that? Oh, I am. Just like you're dead. <laughs> Who is that? Yeah. What's the matter? Huh, apparently this is based on a TV series from the 80s. They knew what floor she was on. They're tying up loose ends. Exactly. She's a partner for seven years, Mac. Great choice in, um... In Kendrick. They're going to war with me. Very appropriate. For uh, the, the star and the sort of and the director, uh, and, and just a great song. I have to find the song. The agency. See what the original sounds like. It was he Star Trek. Very good. Ooh, that's nice. I think that's Kendrick. It sounds like Kendrick to me. It sounds like Kendrick to my ears. Not to double check. Uh, they killed my friend. Okay, that's Melissa Leo. So I'm going to kill each and every one of them. I, one I knew I recognized her from something. I only get to do it once. Oh, that's a good line. Seen you carrying all those books around? I figured you for some kind of teacher. High level bait from an assassin. I will. <laughs> I was right. It was Kendrick Lamar, uh, specifically um, Backseat Freestyle uh, was the song. So I'll have to go check that out uh, after the after I'm done recording. But yeah, I think Ke Kendrick's just got a great ear. He's a, he's a solid. I mean, if any if his if his Black Panther soundtrack didn't prove it already, he's a, he's a solid producer in his own right. Uh, Right up there with Kanye, I think. Although Kanye's posed some iconic tracks. Uh, at the same time, Kendrick is a better rapper. I have no qualms saying that. Uh, you know, that, that. I don't think that's even an argument. Kanye's not a great rapper. He's a solid producer. But Kendrick's a way better rapper than Kanye. Uh, we'll have to see about his production. Uh, at any rate, let's take a look at the other... Um, the Momsploitation that we've got coming out this coming weekend... The anticipated sequel? Did anybody want this? I don't think anybody wanted this. Uh, but the sequel to 2008's Mamma Mia. It's Mamma Mia! Meryl Streep got the right the hell out of this. Uh, here we go again. So let's take a look. I have never felt closer to Mom. I'm and she's never felt further away from this piece of crap. You're pregnant. Yeah, I am. 
Legendary pictures? How are they associated with this? I know them as like monster movie makers. I'm a spontaneous person. No, you're not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Meet the family. These are my dads. It takes three great men to create such a woman. Is that? Who is that? Not Andy Garcia. Who is that? And of course, the full-on Godfather Part Two. Prequel, sequel. I don't know what my future holds. But uh, the world is wide. I want to make some memories. There's an island, Calicari. That is Andy Garcia. People used to think. Oh, Andy, you can do better. Come on. Did you need to be in this? Sounds like the place for me. I'm Bill. I'm Donna. I'm not sure about Lily James as young Meryl Streep. For this guy. Especially since she's clearly doing the British accent still. But most of the young guys playing the younger versions of Pierce Brosnan and uh, Stellan Skarsgård and Colin Firth are pretty on point. Tell me you didn't invite your grandmother. Wicked Witch of the West. Also, apparently, there's a grandmother now. But I think Cher and Meryl Streep are the same age. I've decided to commit being a grandmother grandma you weren't invited that's the best kind of party little girl get ready my soulmate may actually be called then mine must be wise to have all three of us are grandfathers and that's that the time of your life again because apparently you didn't have enough time of your life last time if she hasn't done that all her life we can't tell anybody about the baby yet I just told Bill Yeah, and I told Harry I told many, many I like the last one where it was just the one many I think adding the second many Great grandmother I'm leaving that out of the bio What bio? Who is this woman? Why, why do I care? What, what's going on? Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna have to Finally watch What apparently is one of my mom's favorite movies I don't think she wants it on the sequel, but I'll ask her. Uh, so I've got that to look forward to this weekend. And then finally, another... This has been the weekend of sequels. Because not only do we have The Equalizer 2 and Mamma Mia 2, we've got Unfriended 2. Yeah, remember Unfriended? That really stupid... Uh, well, not stupid. It was the better of the uh, social media-based horror movies that came out this, that year, 2016, I want to say. Well, they did a, they're doing a sequel, and now they're talking about the dark web. Ooh. So, yeah, we've got Unfriended, the dark web. Featuring uh, one of my favorite actresses. Um, what's her name? Who was just in... Uh, was it last week? I think it was last week. Um, yeah, uh, Betty Gabe. No, it was uh, Betty Gabriel from... Uh, I saw the, the Purge 3 last week and she was in that she's gonna be in this too so Blumhouse regular Betty Gabriel showing up again anyway Yo. hey buddy how you doing hey. it is game night ow, ow. Hey, you ready for this I got a new laptop That's actually new there's a cyber cafe that I've been working at and this computer was sitting in the lost and found for the last three or four weeks hang on you stole there it. she is I didn't steal it oh yeah okay. that's messed up and I found this folder it was hidden and it automatically connects you to this thing. 
Dude, this is yeah, dark I web. bet. What's dark web? Part of the internet where no one can track you. It's all about drugs, illegal IDs, even assassination for hire. Yeah, the dark net is mostly about the bad guys. Everyone has secrets. Computer's got videos on it, right? Check this out. I swear one of those guys looks like freaking PewDiePie. A bunch of these guys look like PewDiePie. And then that one's freaking Tobuscus. Who's that? You have my laptop. From Blumhouse, the producer of Get Out, The Purge, and Happy Death Day. One of these things is not like the other. I see everything you're doing. If you disconnect or call the police, you die. Guys, hold up. Where's Lex? Wait, that looks that's Lex's building. No, you guys. no, 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 no. Is that Lex? <gasps> oh, Found her. This summer. He killed Lex. Oh. The ones who buy the videos, the ones who pick the girls. What the hell? They've all been watching. You want to play a game? Can you survive? Oh it's Jigsaw. That's my mom. Oh, no. Say goodbye. Control this whole time. Followers. Please leave us alone. Get out of there right now. I can hear you. Are you still Kelly, there? I can't I see can't... you. Alfred Darkweb. I will say I pre- I don't know if I prefer the um the human villains this time. The fact that it's supposed to be the secret cabal. Of of like serial killers and psychopaths, or the ghost from last time. Because last time it was a it was a spooky ghost, and now it's a secret cabal of murderers. Ooh, gobble ga! <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure my nephew will be down for having a good larf at this one. I'll ask him. Uh, so that's about does it for this week. Which means it is time for the plugs. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely listening to us through our homepage at GumbyCatNetworks.com. And if you want to keep up to date on all the new episodes as they come out, be sure to favorite that page, whitelist us on your ad locker, and share us with your friends. Um, and if you prefer subscribing to us through an RSS feed, uh, we have it available through the website. If it's not already available through our ver- the various third-party apps out there, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher. Um, I don't know if we're on Spreaker yet or not. I know Spreaker was giving me trouble, but we should all. We should. If I'm not available on your par, on your party platform, let me know. I can give you the RSS feed. So you can direct link to it. Otherwise, I'll. I can always try to expand where my podcasts are, and. You know, be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star uh, rating and review, and let people know that you like the show. And be sure to check it out as well. And be sure to share us on your social media. Our social media home is facebook.com slash popcornjunkie. That's where all the big announcements are. Um, we're on twitter.com slash pod. That's where I do the most interacting with people. That's where I do the Twitter munch along as well as the Twitter trailer talk where I comment on the trailers that I see before a new release and, com- and comment on a movie as I'm watching it at home. 
And then you can also follow me on Instagram at Instagram, uh, on Instagram at Popcorn Junkie Podcast. I'm still trying to find new stuff to share there. I've been sharing the uh, new episode releases as well as the Stardust reviews. But I'm still trying to figure out what else to do through Instagram. If you have any suggestions, let me know. Uh, and once again, be sure to check us out on Stardust. I'm, we're at Popcorn Junkie on Stardust. And that's where I do all my major um, reactions. I'm probably going to do a reaction to uh, Captain Underpants, the TV series tonight. Uh, so I can let people sh- share that with people as well. But... Uh, if you want to see, check me out there. That's where I'm at. You can also check out the internet's other John Bailey, J O H N B J O N B A I L E Y, I believe. Uh, same same first name, different last name. Uh, he's the epic. Vo- he's epic voice guy on Stardust. Mars Girl is on there. The Schmoes Know are on there. Double Toasted's on there. A whole bunch of film reviewers are on there. Uh, come join us and share your reactions and. Uh, have some fun. Join the community. We're a lot of we're at, we're we're a, we're a good group, and we love to hear what you think about stuff, movies, TV shows, trailers, whatever your thoughts are. Share them at Star, Share them on Stardust. I'm still trying to. I'm gonna have to try and see if I if I can't uh, have a have a download link for uh, stuff for for stuff like Double Toasted has. I'll have to contact the Stardust people and see if my numbers are good enough for that yet. Um, Otherwise, you can also support me on Patreon. I've been releasing weekly Patreon-exclusive content. And if you want access to it, you have to donate at least a dollar a month to Patreon. All you have to do is donate at least a dollar a month, and you can help support the podcast and get access to weekly extra content. And that and this week's, this past week's content was a munch-along commentary track a la Rift Tracks, our Mystery Science Theater 3000, uh, for... The Towering Inferno, my longest one yet. And that will remain exclusive to Patreon, namely because um, I don't trust releasing that publicly uh, for free. I don't. I know Rift Tracks has issues with that as well. Um, uh, but I, one that I would like to release as sort of a secondary uh, weekly show is Make a Better Movie, wherein I take a look at a movie tying into... Um, initially, tie, initially just... Uh, what I what I wanted to try and fix, but now tying into what I see, what I what is coming out the next week. So previously it was um, the Purge election year. This week it was um, Van Helsing to tie into Hotel Transylvania. So I take a look at one of my sort of unfavorites, uh, the the bad movie that I kind of enjoy, Van Helsing, and and there's a good chunk. Uh, that I had to, that I try, that I needed to fix, and you can see what my new version would look would sound like uh, by donating to Patreon.com/popcornjunkie, and then uh, this coming week, I said I would announce uh, the this the next uh, week's exclusive uh, on the episode tonight. So this next week, I think I'll be doing. Um, no, I won't think. I've decided on doing, for Make a Better Movie, we're going to be doing 2004's The Punisher, another unfavorite of mine. And this one ties into The Equalizer. So I'm going to see, take a look at the only Punisher story to not take place in New York uh, and see if there's a way, see what works, what doesn't, and how to fix it. And for the Munch Along, I will be doing the other social media-themed horror movie 
uh, that came out in 2016, which technically came out in Europe in 2014, Friend Request. And you can join me in and join join that commentary, join join you know join me in watching that movie by joining again to patreoncom junkie. Any bit helps, as little as a dollar a month. I prefer a dollar a month than a dollar per episode, just because that would mean four. T- that would mean specifically now that I'm doing more three episodes. I'm aiming at three episodes a week. That would be twelve dollars. Um, twelve dollars a month minimum, and I didn't want to do that to people. Little as a dollar a month, it's monthly payment, so that's all you need to worry about. And you can always cap out if you if you can't afford more than that. Any little bit helps. And once again, there are even tiers for Patreon supporters who get to choose what I review, either for the podcast or even for Make a Better Movie and Much Alongs. So if you want to join in on that and, have, and suggest stuff for me to review, you can do so by donating through Patreon.com. Every little bit helps. And thank you again for listening. Uh, that about does it for this week. Until next time, I'm John Bailey. And just like Sony Pictures, things are finally starting to look up. theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nafio, N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviantart.com for more of his artwork. (laughs) 